You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can check him out on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, the season is over. What are you doing with your free time now? The season is over. The season has just begun. It's, it's very true. <laughs> it's you know, it's one of those uh, the king is dead, long live the king sort of situations where uh, it it it's uh, every new beginning is another beginning's end, as that terrible song used to say. Yeah, uh, it's been busy. We, we're already starting to dive into yeah. some of the draft film. Uh, we're starting uh, to look at free agents. I'm going to have to start looking. I mean, I have done no draft stuff, so uh, today and this weekend will be my first, you know, kind of dive into all that and taking a look at people. And So, you know, it's for, for, for guys like us, we cover the team kind of all year round, so it just it, now it becomes we just have discussions about what we do in the off season and, and, and all that sort of thing and, and start following the team. It's interesting. This is that time of year where fans are still in like regular season or playoff mode. Right, so right. like they're they're still like trying to consume at such a high level, but like, you know, we'll start noticing that content especially from DallasCowboys.com will start spreading out a little bit more. We get the draft show back, but it still feels like, you know, that there's going to be a lot more of a people wanting for more information when there's not going to be a lot. It's going to start becoming more of a trickle instead of a flood. We will have you covered on all that stuff. We're going to still try to. That's pump why out. we're here. Yeah, right. exactly. We 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 are we are the ones who are give, we we're going to have something for you all all season all off season long. But you know everyone else they'll start slowing down their content. So uh, just stick with us. You'll be good. So before we start to look forward into the 2019 season and the off season with the draft and free agency, I wanted to kind of look back and review the 2018 season for the Cowboys. And the way that we're going to do that today is by giving our biggest takeaways uh, from the season. Um, and let's go ahead and start with, with one that came up on both of our lists. You know, we, we worked on this before the show. Uh, one of our biggest takeaways, maybe the most important takeaway for the Cowboys this season, uh, is Dak Prescott is back. I think he is all the way back, and I think he's the franchise quarterback uh, for the Cowboys going forward. Landon, what did you see from Dak last year, and what makes you so confident that he is the, the right quarterback for this team? Well, yeah, you know, I think we all uh, could agree that Dak still has game parts of his game that he needs to improve. Uh, I think that he has shown improvement, which is a, a positive thing. Um, but I think the thing that you know we really learned from this guy is that he's tough as nails. Uh, he is w- one of the guys. This is a rare thing to find. He's one of the guys who. You know, digs deep and finds it. You know, when it when the when the games are close, he finds another level to his game. Right. That it, it, you know, it's it's hard to quantify and describe or explain like why it even works that way, but it does, and it, and it's consistently happening over time. Uh, I think he finished with was it five game winning drives or something or five yeah, you know, something like that. I mean, was, he was near the top of the league. Uh, and and you know I think if you look at since he's been in the league he's at the top of the list of fourth quarter comebacks game winning drives that sort of thing um, and, you know and some people point out you know well the truly great ones uh, 
you know they can they can do that they don't have those because they they're winning all those games but the thing is is that that's that's useful in the regular season but when it gets to the playoff if those guys have no experience in those tight situations the playoff games are going to get tight you know whether it's when the super bowl teams meet when the nfc championship teams meet when the divisional rounds teams meet like these are teams that uh, are very close in talent so the difference is going to be how your quarterback plays when the situations get tight and so for the cowboys to find a guy who seems to thrive specifically in those situations uh, I, I think that shows you, you know, he obviously, like I said, needs to work on some footwork stuff, needs to get more consistency when he's moving around in the pocket, setting his feet before he delivers the ball. But those are coachable things. But things that are not coachable are, hey, what happens when you get hit in the mouth? How do you how do you react to that? Do you get back up and, and keep throwing the ball? And that's what Dak does. And, and you know, that combined with his ability to use his legs, uh, I think once Dak finally kind of you know fully harnesses it and kind of tweaks his game some more, he is going to be a very difficult quarterback for teams to face. So kind of what happened this year was uh, the first three games of the season were so rough, right, for Prescott. They played Seattle. They played Carolina. Um, and I don't even remember who they played in week two, but oh, the Giants. And he kind of started those three games off rough, and that was a continuation from last year. So then you started to see people what really dig into the Dak Prescott takes. He's not very good. Uh, the Cowboys need to go out and find a new quarterback. I remember some big-name media people saying that the Cowboys should bench him or whatever. But over the final 15 games of the season, including the, the playoffs, I mean, it was hard to argue that he wasn't a top 10 quarterback. Let me let me read you his stats over the final 15 games. He had 4,000 total yards, 30 touchdowns, seven interceptions, and a passer rating of over 100. I think that I think you can move with that in the NFL today, right? Absolutely, and I mean that. I mean, I don't know if you included any rushing touchdown numbers there. But uh, yeah, those included the rushing touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, over so, I mean, forty-one hundred total yards and thirty touchdowns and seven interceptions. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is. I mean, again, like it's he's a different kind of quarterback that they have to play against. I mean, the, the, what we're seeing now in the NFL is is this kind of. A, a wider variety of quarterback playing, you know, it's it's there's the pocket passer, there's you know, the, that generation still is here, but then you're seeing kind of these hybrid players, the Russell Wilsons, the Cam Newtons, the Dak Prescotts, you know, these guys are, uh, and they're not, and you know, I would you know include Andrew Luck in some of that, I mean, because he's not even necessarily just a traditional pocket passer, right, or absolutely. or Patrick Mahomes, you know, I mean, like these guys, they can they can do it inside of a system, but you know, guys like Mahomes and Wilson and and Aaron Rodgers, to a certain degree, you know, they thrive getting out of the pocket and, and improvising and making plays like that. And so I, I think that what we're seeing is that there's many different kind of flavors of these guys now, and they all have sort of slightly different games. And uh, I think that Dax is one that has, you know, proven that it can be successful. I, I, I think the early season struggles have to do, and I think this kind of bleeds well into. Uh, what we're talking about, uh, one of the other other things we're going to talk about is the early season struggles, I think, had everything to do with the fact that there was a certain amount of uh, unfamiliarity with the group of people that he was throwing the ball to. He didn't have Des Bryant and he didn't have Jason Witten throwing, to throw the ball to. And, and just think about the number of, you know, of catches those guys provided the season before. Uh, you know, there there was going to be an adjustment. And they I think that the Cowboys went into that open-eyed. I just think that fans and, and, and media... Um, 
I mean, I don't know that they expected to to you know have the record that they did or the first three weeks. I think they expected generally that it may be a little bit of a struggle. But you saw once Dak got comfortable with what he had, and then you know they added obviously Cooper to kind of f- fully put a bow on that group. Uh, he really he really took off and he really thrived. Yeah. So yesterday I went on a couple different radio stations uh, for ESPN and we're kind of just talking about whether or not you should be optimistic about the Cowboys going in 2019. Um, And of course, I had to make sure I stayed on the brand and was pessimistic. But the reason I am a little bit optimistic going forward is I still believe in Prescott. And I think you saw a quarterback that knows how to win games. So going forward, if they can make some small tweaks and get that offensive line to get back up to the level that we're used to seeing them play at. I, I, I think you can get some high-level production from Dak Prescott. So that's by far the biggest takeaway of the season, that Dak Prescott is back. Landon, give me another one of your biggest takeaways from the 2018 season. Well, uh, kind of skipping around here, I hate to do this, but I, we just talked about it. Uh, I think that despite growing pains, uh, having to move on from Dez and Witten uh, this year was for the best. Uh, you know, I think you know one of these guys they made a a conscious decision to uh, get rid of, and then the other one I I don't know that they I, I still feel like that they probably were caught off guard uh, by Witten's retirement. Uh, just I think because so of, just because of the time of year it was and the way how quickly it all developed, uh, you know, and I think that. It, it sort of accelerated a plan that I think they were kind of in the motion of realizing that they needed to change out, upgrade, uh, uh, youthen <laughs> their uh, their uh, skill set players. Um, and, you know, Dez was part of that, not only because of you know, some issues that they had had, with, I think, at times with him and his influence on younger receivers, but his game had, had stopped, you know, basically being worth the trouble i think is what i guess the best way to put it um and so uh, and, and worth you know needing to force feed him targets in order to keep him in the game um and then with witten you know like i said the retirement kind of caught him off guard so they were kind of forced into a situation where they were in an area that they could not you know realistically without completely overpaying go get a a, a true wide receiver one um, so they went into the the regular season, uh, into the preseason. I'm sorry, it ended into the regular season with you know kind of uh, a a group of wide receiver twos and threes to see what they could do there. And then on top of that, also losing their tight end who had all their starts. So you know the cupboard was pretty bare there. And, and I think until they got the opportunity to flip a one uh, for Amari Cooper, uh, they were kind of in in a spot where uh, getting a a true tight end one or a true wide receiver one was not really an option because they weren't really available for uh, uh, reasonable prices. Unless you wanted to overpay for a price or give a long-term contract to someone who you didn't really want to be stuck with, uh, it it wasn't really a good deal. And I think, again, people – we talked about it then, but and I think people obviously get it now – but I don't think people realize what a good deal this was for the Cowboys. I mean, the, for the Cooper, I think for them to be able to get such a young player in, in his prime for uh, you know, a first-round pick, which is really what you'd spend to get a guy like this, anyways. And he's so you know, he, just 25 years old. Uh, it, it ended up working out great, and now it's to the point where 
Um, you know, you, you don't have to go through what would have normally probably been a two or three year process of trying to change out all these young skill set players. I think now you've got a young, a great young core. You, you still want to add to it. I think in this off in the in the draft and in the, this off season, um, but they are in a much better spot than I imagined they would ever be uh, at this time. You know, like if you were to ask me the day after Witten retired, you know, at, at, at the, that at the end of this next season, how what, what would you feel like the state of the wide receiver and tight end core would be? I, I would be pretty nervous or at least wondering exactly where they were going to go now i feel like they have a whole bunch of young talent they can add a whole bunch more and and, and feel really good but they've got a very good base of young talent on the outside and at a tight end position so you hit on a lot of stuff there I, I just want to talk about cooper we've talked about him a lot on this show and not only his impact on the team just from a statistical standpoint which was very good, by the way. And it's 11 games with the Cowboys, nearly 900 receiving yards and seven touchdowns. I mean, just absolutely incredible considering he didn't have the whole offseason to work with Dak. But also the the trickle-down effect that it had on the rest of the receivers on the rosters. All of a sudden, as soon as Cooper came in uh, to the fold, you saw Michael Gallup starting to play better. And by the playoffs, you know, in, in Week 17 in the Seattle game, Michael Gallup was making really big and important plays for the Cowboys because he's no longer forced into the number one receiver role. Uh, you saw Cole Beasley's value, uh, you know, down the stretch in some big games. Uh, and even Noah Brown as the wide receiver four doing some more stuff now that he's in his traditional role as, you know, kind of a reserve receiver. So uh, the Amari Cooper trade, 100% changed the direction of the franchise. And as I've been saying this whole time, the Cowboys need a true wide receiver one to function. And you touched on this, but they haven't had that kind of production in a long time. And I'm a big Des Bryant fan, but I don't think you've got that production since 2014. Now that they have Cooper, it's easier to build and construct an offense. Uh, and just, just an incredible trade going forward. Absolutely. All right, let's pause. We'll take a quick break, and we'll talk a little bit about the Cowboys' defense. You know, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for my advice. Usually, it's what team to bet on this week. The truth is, I don't always know who's going to win. But if you think you know, you've got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They have been in the business for years. They have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me in the past, and that's why I'm urging you guys to make your way to my bookie. You win, and they pay. It's that simple. They have in-game, live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet on the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each week. If you join now, MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, Landon, let's talk a little bit about Christian Shard. Uh, what did you see from him in uh, his first season as a Cowboys play caller, secondary coach, passing coordinator? How big of an impact do you think he made? I think he was a difference maker. I mean, I think that you know, what, at the very least, what he did is accelerate the skill set of of a of a young, talented group 
um, that uh, was kind of in a, a precarious spot. I feel like with uh, Flus leaving, you know, I think that you know, we all appreciated what Eberflus did with us, and clearly had a ton of success with the Colts. Uh, and you know, congrats to him seriously because I, I yeah, love the guy. I mean, he's, he's been with us for a lot since you know Rob Ryan. You know, and so uh, it's really great to go and see these guys go out and do well. I mean, I know some people don't like that, but I, I think it's great. And um, uh, but for us to be able to go out and get a Chris Richard, and I know guys like you and me and you know some of our buddies who follow this stuff really close. We were all excited knowing who Richard was, knowing what the fit would be like. I think we all felt like it was going to be a, uh, uh, you know, a, a good thing for this defense. And, and obviously it was, and then it became such a good thing for this defense that, you know, the common, everyone knew who Chris Richard was, right, you right. know, and suddenly he's getting he- head coaching, uh, uh, uh you know, requests in one uh, day, actually. Interviews. <laughs> yeah. And, um, over oh, four, but still, I mean, right. but but still, I, okay he, I, he'll get there. We yeah, we're thrilled with that, and I think he'll, he's going to get there for sure. Um, but I think you know, at a time when things were kind of in a tough transition for a young group of defensive backs, who you really are, you know, didn't want to, uh, you know, screw up that that ascension because you have so many, you spent so much of val- of your value, draft value on those positions, you needed those picks to hit. Uh, and I think what by the end of the season, you got to be thrilled with the results. You know, I think the transition specifically for uh, 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 Byron Jones was just really huge, really fantastic. He going from uh, can he play cornerback to at times playing like one of the best cornerbacks in the league. And that kind of leads me to a one of my biggest takeaways with you know putting Byron Jones at cornerback, putting Xavier Woods as one of the starting free safeties, you know, making the move to to Anthony Brown as the full time slot cornerback. I think they're only a you know one or two pieces away from being a really really dominant unit. Uh, they, if they get a true topper free safety. Or if they can get a, a defensive tackle that can consistently p- create pressure, it wouldn't be shocking to see this defense all of a sudden be a top five unit for the next several years, right? I mean, absolutely. There's, I mean, there certainly isn't isn't any reason. I, I like you said, I, I think they they're one or two pieces away, and I think you know maybe a defensive <clears throat> lineman and like you said, a, a topper safety. Uh, or just a, just another safety. I think you know I, they really could be. You know, one of the one of the elite defenses in the NFL. Yeah, they're really not that far away, and that's that's the good thing. And I know people are going to be a little bit down on their defense because of the Rams game, and it's understandable. But you got to remember, they've got a lot of really good and young pieces on their defense. I mean, we're talking about the oldest player in their defense is Tyrone Crawford at 28, 29 years old, and he just had a career year. I, I think there's, this defense is only going to get better. They're obviously going to add talent. Um, they also have some guys coming through the pipeline that could be difference makers. I, I don't want to forget about like a, a guy like Dorrance Armstrong, who we yeah. saw in preseason make a bunch of plays, and then he earned playing time throughout the season. I expect a big jump from him next season. If you can get anything out of Taco Charlton or Armstrong, this defense is just going to get that much better. Um, our final takeaway from the 2018 season is about Jason Garrett. Landon, I will let you handle this one. What is your takeaway about Jason Garrett? <clears throat> well, my, my final takeaway was uh, Jason Garrett is a good head coach, but this offense needs more changes. Mm. Uh, and I, th- I think that uh, 
and, and this is not an unfamiliar refrain for me. I, I would say. I mean, I, I've I've been a, a Jason Garrett fan for a while, and I I respect what he does as a head coach. Um, but I, you know, where I've kind of altered and come around again is that it's time for this offense to kind of take the next step, or or at least continue to alter. We've had Linehan as the offensive coordinator for several years now, and uh, you know, I think. I, I don't think he's as terrible as, as other people have made it out f- to be, but I also think that, that the time has come for this offense to take a next step to open things up a little bit more, for Dak to evolve a little bit more. Um, because, again, this this was... And, and I think, it, you know, the, I think that they've done some things to kind of un-Romo-fy their offense and more Dakify the offense. Right. Um, but I, but I also think you know we didn't see enough of those things uh, uh, throughout the season. It felt like uh, they. It, it's interesting to me because it felt like they had all the stuff that they needed in the offense, but it's just like they didn't call a lot of it all the time. And so um, you know, I think that it's time for the Cowboys to kind of uh, maybe. Re-examine exactly how they're attacking defenses, and I, I'm I'm of the th- the thought process that Jason Garrett will do this, and uh, you know I think he showed a willingness to make changes and 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 changes that clearly will work. I mean the example being uh, the, the the offensive line coach. So I, I but that's basically where I'm at is I think Garrett's a good coach. I think he proved it some more, um, but I also think that uh, uh, this offense needs to take the next step. I really struggle with Jason Garrett because there's things I really yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> there's things I really like about him. I I mean the the best thing about Jason Garrett is his players have never quit on him. I mean they play hard every single game. Uh and that's not always something that happens. We see, you know, across the league, you know, when teams get into bad situations, they'll just quit on a coach. I, I'm thinking of Tampa Bay this year. Uh they started out the season 2 and 0. I think they went to 2 and 5 and you had players quit on that team. Brent Grimes, Gerald McCoy, Deshaun Jackson. That's never happened to Jason Garrett. Um, it, my biggest problem with Garrett is I think sometimes it takes him a little too long to make adjustments. But he's not opposed to doing that. For example, last year, and even in the first few weeks of this season, he was one of the most conservative coaches in the league on fourth down. But by the end of the season, you were seeing the Cowboys going forward on nearly every fourth down, right? Any Anytime it was fourth and one or even fourth and a long one, you saw the Cowboys going for it. I think he's a better coach when he when he tries to be a little bit more aggressive. I do think they're going to try to make some tweaks this offseason. Will they work? We'll see. I, I have a feeling the offense is going to, for the most part, look the same. But I, I, I just... I'm just I just don't believe that he's ever going to be good enough to compete with your top level coaches in the NFC. I yeah, I mean I don't know how to convince you. I think that the the only way to convince you is for him to win and to show you, but I, I will say this. Uh, uh, as someone who says ball game pretty regularly in the first or second <laughs> whoa, quarter, whoa, I was right this week. I, I can understand why you don't appreciate a guy like Jason Garrett who would not ever do that and would never give up on a game until after the game is over. And that's and that's another thing about this is that you talk about the guys, you know, never quitting on Jason Garrett. I think a lot of that has to do with because Jason Garrett never lets these guys quit yeah, on a game. Yeah. 
You know, like, I mean, and I think that's something to be said about your head coach is that, uh, you know, he, the side of a good coach to me is when you hear a coach talk about how what he believes and 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 talk about wh- how he wants to play, and then you hear those same words out of all his players' mouths. Right. Like that that means they bought in. It's not just that they're not quitting; they they believe in Jason Garrett, right. and that that's why they don't quit in these games because they believe that they can win these games no matter what situation they're in. I agree, and that's a big thing. Uh, I agree. I I one hundred percent agree with that. All right, that yeah. is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Lockdown Cowboys. And I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. And we will see you guys next time.